We shall now turn to the chapter which we read together, Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, and we take as our text, verse 2. We could read from the beginning, Luke 15 and verse 2. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. There are certain truths of the Bible which we cannot stress too much. And here tonight we have one of these. We have a wonderful Savior. And he loves to save sinners. Even the worst of sinners. We are told repeatedly in this chapter, there is joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. We have good news to tell to a perishing world. Glad tidings of great joy. There's a savior, mighty to save, and willing to save. Men and women by nature are on the road that leads to the lake of fire. But there's a way of escape. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Come to Christ. Come and you are welcome. That's wonderful, isn't it? Come and you are welcome. This man receiveth sinners and eateth and drinketh with them to the endless ages of eternity. So first of all, then, tonight, we have here a wonderful Savior. In verse 1, we notice that all the publicans and sinners drew near unto Christ for to hear him. Who were these publicans? The publicans were tax collectors for the Romans. They were seen as traitors. The Romans had invaded the land. They'd conquered it. They ruled it. And they used the publicans in order to gather taxes for Rome. So the publicans were Jews, and they were Jews who sided with the Romans. And why did they side with the Romans? Simply for money. They were paid for it, and they were paid very well. So they were seen as traitors 
on the side of the oppressor, and they were seen as covetous, loving money. They were prepared to sell their souls for the sake of money. Very often, publicans are linked with harlots, women who would sell their bodies for money. Well, here are the publicans who would sell their souls for money. They were also thieves. They made themselves rich by charging more than they should. And because they, they were thieves, because they were covetous, because they were traitors, they were hated and despised. And these hated and despised people, they come to Jesus. And we're told that all the publicans, very interesting. There were so many publicans that came to Jesus at this time that it says all the publicans came to him. And then another group is mentioned, sinners. Well, we're all sinners, aren't we? So who are the sinners here? Well, obviously it was notorious sinners. Sinners who, whom everyone regarded as sinners. Drunkards. Adulterers. Liars. Swearers. Sabbath breakers. Those who were openly profane and ungodly. And everybody looked upon them as big sinners. And then we're told, told that these publicans and sinners, all of them came to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Who were the Pharisees? The Pharisees were the strictest Jews, the strictest sect of the Jewish faith. They believed the Bible. They practiced it outwardly as well as they could. They were always there in the synagogue. They were never missing. Sometimes you would see them praying on the corners of the streets. They made a great show of giving charity to people. They were very strict in their religion. They were church people. The Pharisees. Good living, morally upright, careful. They wouldn't lie. They wouldn't steal. They wouldn't work on the Sabbath. They attended the synagogue, the church, regularly. And the other group mentioned here are the scribes. You know, at this time, they didn't have printing presses. So how could they have scriptures? Well, they had to copy out the word of God by hand. And these scribes, they were the ones who spent their time copying out the scriptures. And they had many rules for doing it, making sure that it was done accurately. So they wrote out copies of the scriptures. They were the people who would preach in the churches and the synagogues. And they were the people, again, who, 
who are very religious. So what we have here are two of the most religious groups. And it's a strange but sad thing that you often find hypocrites in the churches. Those who make a great show of their religion. But sometimes their heart's not in it. I fear that in the free church continuing, there's quite a lot of Pharisees. Even in the membership of the church, yes. Those who are very good at practicing religion. Outwardly, very respectable. They have no love for Christ. Do you love him? Do you in your heart love him? Are you devout in that sense? So that it's not an outward show. It's not practice. It's not going through the motions. It's not making an impression upon your fellow man. But it's a matter between you and your God. And it's serious. And it's not just on Sunday or at the midweek meeting, but it's every day of the week. This serious relationship with God, in love with him. Well, there were these Pharisees and scribes, and they murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eateth with them. Now they thought that here was a terrible criticism of Christ. Here's a man who receives sinners and eats with them. Here's somebody who associates with sinners. He chooses the company of sinners. Surely your company shows what you're like. Surely the company you delight in shows what you delight in. But of course, there was a difference. Christ delighted in the company of publicans and sinners because he was concerned to help them, to tell them the gospel, to save their souls. He wasn't there to listen to their dirty jokes. He wasn't there to engage in their filthy conversation. He wasn't there to encourage them in their sins and their wickedness. He was there to challenge them. To lovingly persuade them. To win them over. To receive sinners into his kingdom. That's what matters, isn't it? Our Lord Jesus Christ. He receives sinners and eateth with them. Well, that tells us that he's a wonderful savior, doesn't it? There was nobody below him. There was no one beyond him. There was no one that Christ despised. And it's the same today. Whoever you are, whatever your background, whatever you've done, 
whatever immorality you've engaged in, whatever filthiness you've performed, whatever criminal behavior. You know, there'll be rapists in heaven. There'll be child abusers in heaven. There'll be murderers in heaven. And there'll be Pharisees in hell. So important to grasp that. Good living people in hell. I often ask congregations a question. Who gets to heaven? Too many people say, good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. But they're wrong. Totally wrong. Who gets to heaven? Bad people. Bad people that Jesus has saved and made good. Nobody gets to heaven because they're good. They get to heaven because Jesus is good. And because Jesus receiveth sinners. And eateth and drinketh with them. That's a vital truth. No matter what you've done. I know a murderer who's a Christian minister. He was converted. He loves the Lord. Yes. I can think of another man who was involved in pushing drugs. And he was, his father was the, the chief um, seller of drugs in, in, the, in the urban area. And he went around enforcing getting payments, beating people up, threatening them, getting money out of them. But he himself became a drug addict and, and in the end such a bad, bad drug addict that the doctors were talking about amputating his legs and sitting there in his flat. He began to think, to think of what he'd heard in Sunday school many, many years before. And he had heard, if ever you're desperate, pray to God in the name of Christ and he'll save you. And he cried to God for mercy, for Christ's sake. And he never took drugs again. And his health improved and he became an evangelist. Sovereign grace. This man receives sinners. The worst of sinners. Are you a sinner? Are you a horrible sinner? Are you a hell-deserving sinner? If you're not, I don't have much hope for you. Because good people go to hell. But there's hope for sinners. If God has shown you something of your own heart and life, and if you see your own wretchedness, and then you remember that faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus has come into the world to save sinners, then there's hope for you. A mighty Savior, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, 
Christ is stretching out his hands to you today and saying, come to me. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, you who labor with a burden of your sins, with a sense of your guilt, ashamed of your past. Come to me, you who are struggling, burdened, whatever it is, come. One day Christ will say, depart. But today you say, come. Isn't that wonderful? Whoever you are, whatever your past, come. This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Secondly, we notice here the lost sheep. Jesus in response to what the Pharisees and scribes were saying, tells three parables. And these three parables basically deal with the same thing. They're a repetition. They're telling us about three lost things, which are, are found. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. Are you lost? If you are, there's hope. We all by nature are lost, whether we realize it or not. Many are not aware of it. They're lost sheep. They're far away from the father's house, but they don't realize it. They've got their head down, munching the grass, as it were, and wandering further and further away. There we were in the Garden of Eden with Adam, in the presence of God. And then we sinned in Adam. We were cast out of the garden. We left the sheepfold behind. And since then, we have wandered and wandered and wandered. We are born lost sheep. And with each day that goes by, we wander further and further and further away from the Father's house. You don't have to be a thief to be a lost sheep. You don't have to be a prostitute to be a lost sheep. All you have to do is to keep your head down and to go on munching the grass and forget the shepherd, forget the calls of the shepherd. You can be so busy, young people busy with schoolwork, Students busy with their studies, busy in training, busy in work, busy with your family, busy with your house, busy with your hobbies, busy with your entertainments. The devil's great at keeping people busy. And there's so much to do nowadays. Life is so exciting, all sorts of interesting things to keep your attention and to keep you from thinking about your lostness and your need of Christ, the shepherd. It's amazing how quickly one day follows another, day by day going by, 
None of us are static. We're either coming to Christ or going away from Christ. Are you coming to Christ today? Or are you departing from Christ? You don't intend to depart from him. You're thinking you can perhaps uh, stay in a kind of static condition, but it's not possible. Every one of us are either coming to Christ or departing, loving Christ or despising him. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? How can we escape if we ignore the shepherd and his calls? There are many lost sheep. And the day when they will realize that they are lost is the day when they die. And they open their eyes in hell, being in torment. I wonder is that when you will realize you're lost, when you die. Remember, you could die tonight. Not one day is promised us in this life. Young and old are carried away in a moment. Some months ago, there was a young fellow in a free Presbyterian church down in England. He was in church morning and evening. The evening, he said to his dad, he was going to the toilet in the church. After a while, because he didn't come back, his father went looking to him. He was unconscious. That night he died. A young lad, just 16 years of age. His whole life in front of him. No known condition of ill health about him. How quickly. How vital to be ready. Could that be you? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Going astray, a lost sheep. But thirdly, we see here the, the seeking shepherd. And that's fascinating to notice. What man of you having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which was lost until he find it? A man who has a hundred sheep, he loses one, and he's more concerned about the one he's lost than about the ninety and nine that he hasn't lost. He goes looking for it, looking here, there, everywhere, looking for this Sheep looking on the mountains, looking in the ravines, looking in the forest, looking everywhere. And of course, our Lord Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. These are words that you find in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, where Jesus is referring to Zacchaeus. 
Remember Zacchaeus? He was a chief among the publicans and very rich. You can just imagine how he had accumulated wealth. Rich, successful, very rich. But something troubled him. Maybe it was just curiosity. He had heard about Jesus. He went looking to see if he could see him. He was a short man. Couldn't see over the crowd. So he went ahead, climbed up a sycamore tree and sat there waiting until Jesus came past. And Jesus came seeking for the lost sheep. And he said as he came past, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth and drinketh with them. And Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. This day has salvation come to this house. A lost sheep that was found. He came all the way from heaven to find lost sheep like Zacchaeus, lost sheep like you. He came, came from heaven's throne, as it were, put on him human nature, took a full human body and soul, born in poverty, laid in a manger, grew up experiencing hunger and thirst and tiredness and the opposition of many people against him. He went around doing good, preached the gospel, healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf. You remember how he was taken by the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and beaten and mocked and nailed to a cross and put to death. Why did he go through all that? Why did Christ come from heaven? Why did he suffer so much? To seek and to save that which was lost. He came looking for the lost sheep, looking for you. And there was only one way in which he could be found, and that was by him, by him coming into this world and becoming one of us and keeping all the commandments perfectly. Dying for our sins to make atonement for our sins. Giving to us his righteousness. And ascending up to heaven to intercede with the Father on our behalf. He did all that. This man receiveth sinners and eateth and drinketh with them. And now that he's gone to heaven as the searching stopped. The searching for the lost sheep. No, it's still going on because he sent out his ministers to preach the gospel and he sent out his Christians 
to gossip the gospel and to evangelize. And he's still looking for sinners. He's looking for you. Are you a lost sheep? Or have you been found? The seeking shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then fourthly, we have here the repenting sinner. Verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. There's joy in heaven over a sinner who repents. Your duty is to repent, to turn from your sins. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. That's the word that was preached by the apostles in Acts. Stop running away from, from the Lord and instead come back. Ask for mercy. Come back to Christ. Return to God. But then the lost sheep can't, can it? It's lost. And neither can you. So what can the lost sheep do? Well, can bleat, can't it? It can go on bleating. You can pray, can't you? You can cry to the Lord to have mercy on you, to save your soul, to deliver you, to find you, to rescue you. Think of the man who went up to the temple to pray. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he went home justified. But then we're told here another parable about a woman who had ten coins, ten silver coins. She wasn't a wealthy woman, but she had these ten silver coins. She lost one. What can the lost coin do? Can it jump back into the purse? Not really. There it is, stuck in a crevice somewhere, waiting, waiting. But then we're told a third parable about a lost son. There he is in the far country. And he comes to his senses. He's feeding the pigs. Nobody's giving him money. No one's giving him food. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. He's almost diving into the pig's swill and eating it because he's so hungry. And he thinks to himself, what a fool I am. There's many hired servants of my father and they have bread enough and to spare. And here am I perishing with hunger. I will arise and go to my father's house and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Then I'll have food to eat. Well, there you see the son returning. Because there's a duty, isn't there? A duty to return. There's human responsibility along with God's sovereignty. It takes God's sovereignty to find the lost coin. 
But then you see human responsibility in this son who returns to the father's house. The Bible says, repent and be converted. But I can't. I feel like the lost coin. I'm stuck there. I feel like the lost sheep stuck in a thicket somewhere. You must repent. If you don't repent, you'll perish. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? Turn from your sins. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in with him and sup with him and he with me. Have you heard his voice? Are you still closing your ears? Will you open the door? The prodigal son, he returned to the father's house. Your duty is to return. You're conscious that you can't. But in your consciousness of being unable to, surely, surely you can bleat to your heavenly father like the lost sheep and cry out. Cry out to him. And if you won't, you'll perish. And it's your own fault. Your duty is to come. Here we have the repenting sinner. Turn ye, turn ye, for why will ye die? Why will you die when God is offering you eternal life? Face up to the fact that you're lost before it's too late. The repenting sinner. But then, finally, the joy in heaven. It's an amazing truth that we have here. With each of the three parables, the emphasis is upon the joy at the lost being found. What does the shepherd do when he finds a lost sheep? Does he start beating it? Does he whip it? No. He picks it up. He doesn't drive it back with a stick. He picks it up, puts it upon his shoulder, and carries it home. And then he calls his neighbors together. And he says, rejoice with me. Let's have a party. The sheep that was lost is found. I found my lost sheep. There's more joy in heaven over the one sinner repenting than over all these righteous ones that have no need of repentance or think they have no need of repentance. Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that there is that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth 
more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance, the Pharisees. Or think about the woman. What does she do when she finds her coin? She calls together her friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels. What's the presence of the angels? Who's in the presence of the angels? God. The angels are around the throne. And there's joy in the presence of the angels. The joy of God. God rejoices. There is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth. And then you think of the prodigal son who returns. And while he's yet a great way off, his father sees him. And what does he do? Does he start berating him? No. He runs. Runs to meet him while he's yet a great way off. The father's looking for him, sees him, had compassion, ran, fell on his neck and kissed him. And his son begins with his confession. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. I'm such a wretch. I'm such a sinner. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Heaven is merry over the sinner that repents. So each of these three parables are illustrating this point. There's joy in heaven, joy among the angels, joy in the Father himself over the sinner who repents. So what excuse do you have tonight for not coming to Christ? For not returning to the Father's house. For not crying to the shepherd to save you. There's joy in heaven over every sinner who repents. You say, I'm too big a sinner. I'm a publican. I'm a harlot. I'm a sinner. But this man receiveth sinners and eateth and drinketh with them. He receives the biggest sinners. There's no more wicked man in the Old Testament than Manasseh who killed the prophets of the Lord and closed the temple and did everything he could to destroy the true religion, and promote false religion. 
when he was carried away in chains to Babylon. And there in the prison, he humbled himself and found mercy. How wonderful. Who was a greater enemy of Christ than the Apostle Paul? Saul of Tarsus, breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. What happened? He found mercy. So the biggest sinners are saved. Whoever you are, come and welcome. This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Come to Christ tonight and he will receive you because he's promised to. Let's pray. Oh Lord, our God, we pray that thou help us to to understand the gospel, to appreciate it, to see the grace of God in the gospel. Help us, O Lord, we pray thee to, to turn to thee with all our heart, to put our trust, our hope, our confidence in thee, to turn away from sin, to turn away from a sinful, rebellious life, to give up our wandering away from the shepherd and to return to the good shepherd. Grant, O Lord, that like the prodigal son, we would return to the Father's house. Keep us, O Lord, from being Pharisees. Keep us from trusting in ourselves and our own righteousness. And may we put our faith totally in the Lamb of God who is the good shepherd. Receive us graciously, for Jesus' sake. Amen.